the risk for us, I don't think is, I don't think is there because of how hard he works, right? Like he's gonna keep trying to get better and better. And, you know, the comparison that you mentioned, I think you threw out Simmons' name there. Like it's, it couldn't be further difference. <laughs> it's just, it's just totally opposite situation. We got a guy here that wants to get better every day, and you see the talent that he has. I think we're just scratching the surface. So very happy that he's in the mix for a long time, and you know that's probably the end of it. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold. That voice you heard talking about Andrei Svechnikov was his head coach, Rod Brindamore. We're going to bring you that entire conversation, which wasn't that long. It was about five minutes in just a couple of seconds. We're going to get to that. Uh, and then after that, we'll bring in Luke DeCock, and we will talk about uh, a couple of things that I'm going to hit on before we get to Rod. Uh, we'll talk about the offer sheet to Jesperi Kutkaniemi, the third pick in the Andrei Svechnikov draft. Some people call it the Rasmus Dahlin draft. I don't. We call it the Andrei Svechnikov draft. It really turns out to that. I mean, the top of that draft was very good, although two of those players really have not yet hit their stride. Darlene has not, uh, and Kokaniemi has not, but I think Svechnikov, man, Brady Kachuk's a heck of a player, uh, and I think Philip Zadina is going to be very good for Detroit. If I get uh, That might have been in order, right? Zadina was fifth. Is that something? Did I get that right? Anyway, uh, we'll talk about that in a second. We'll talk about Andre Svechnikov. I have some thoughts on that as well. Uh, and just in general, some thoughts about uh, where the team is as we are now, what, a month away from training camp, pretty much. It's hard to believe, right? One month away from training camp. We'll be at uh, Wake Competition Center or wherever it is training camp is going to be held. I'm assuming there like, might be some at uh, PNC Arena. The prospect camp is coming up in Florida uh, that should be interesting. And by the way, I hope Seth Jarvis gets a legitimate has a legitimate chance to make the club. Uh, and there might be some other young players that have a legitimate chance to make the team. Uh, a Jack Drury might have a legitimate chance to make the team. I'd like to see Ryan Suzuki have a chance. But anyway, quick before I forget, and we get into some uh, some topics we need to get into. The Kate's Corner Podcast brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. It's for the exterior of your home. That's the place to go. The Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Siding, roofing, decking, entry doors, storm doors, gutter helmets. Yeah, gutter helmets. Really good. Uh, that's the place. Aluminumcompany.com. Free, no obligation estimate. A uh, couple of quick things. Let's get to, uh, the, first, the Andrei Svechnikov signing. First, an apology it's been a whirlwind of, uh, of obligations that have been on my plate. And uh, the Svechnikov signing for me came at a difficult time just to get some thoughts out, uh, whether it's uh, on paper or in this format, although I guess that wouldn't be on paper. It would be uh, in, the, uh, in the digital world. Um, but I think the, the Svechnikov signing is potentially an incredible bargain for the Hurricanes. Andre had a bad year this year. No getting around it. He wasn't, he wasn't, he was good, but he was good for just a run-of-the-mill NHL top six forward. I mean, Andre had, what, he had 40 points or something like that. It was okay. And it wasn't like he wasn't noticeable. He was almost always noticeable. Andre just had production issues, and he had penalty issues. And obviously the Hurricanes want to see those two things go in opposite directions. They want the production to go up and the penalties to go down. And we talked to Rod Brindamore about that. You heard about it. Or you will hear about it. So that's what, you know, that's what's in front of Andre. But here's the way I put it, and I'll, I'm going to bring up something that I hate hearing in a second. 
But Andre is an incredibly hard worker, a great teammate, dedicated to what he's trying to do. He wants to be great. He doesn't want to be good. He wants to be great. And Rod Brindamore sees the hard work every day. He's always in shape. He's the happiest kid you'll meet. It, I mean, literally, he just is always happy. And I just, people like that, they, don't, they just don't, they don't, they don't fail. And maybe he won't be a 100-point scorer. I mean, he might be. But he's not going to be a 45-point guy in an 82-game season. I think the floor for Andre is 65 points. That's where I think the floor is. Uh, in a full season when he's healthy. That's it. I think that's the floor. To me, $7.75 million, and I'll get into the contract in a second, the chances of that being below market value for the player is, I think, 50-50. I think it's a 50% chance we're going to look back in year three of this contract going, we're going to chuckle. <laughs> Can you believe he's only at 7.75? You know, if he's like an 85 to 90 point guy. Because I think I think we're going to see more of Andre's game. I think we're going to see assists go up because I think Andre is a dynamite passer and when he when the I mean, we don't have to explain. We you all know what what kind of player he is. I also think he can get better defensively. Uh and I think he wants to be you know, I could, I mean, Rod joked when I asked him if he thought penalty killing was in his future, but best players kill penalties. Uh, Alex Ovechkin kills penalties for Washington. He might not be their top penalty killer, but he's part of the unit. So I could see that down the road for Andre. Um, and I think there's a 40% chance that it's a fair contract, that he's, you know, 70 point guy, 75 point guy. Uh, but he's a 35 to 40 goal scorer. And what, what do those guys get? What do those guys get big money. So to me, there's a 90% chance that this is either fair or under or, or a below market value deal. And there's a 10% chance that it doesn't work out. Um, we'll talk to Luke to about it in a little bit. Um, I think it's just, a, it was just a really good deal for the hurricanes. I think an exceptional deal for the Hurricanes. And frankly, I thought that the agent would demand, would want a bridge deal because the Hurricanes didn't want to go over eight for Andre on a long deal. They wanted to stay. Actually, they wanted to keep it below Aho. Aho. Sebastian Aho's got, uh, what, 8.46. They wanted to keep it below that. Andre is a winger, not a center. Less, a little bit less value in a winger than a center, unless you are Ovechkin, right? Uh, or unless you are Patrick Kane, and nobody is suggesting that Andre is that. So that's where they wanted to be, and I really thought that the agent would say, "All right, let's just do a two-year bridge, make a little less on a two-year bridge, maybe two point two times six or two times six and a half." And then we'll come back and do this again. Because Andre has two big years, and now the number's nine, or nine and a half. And that was obviously a possibility. But here's where I think we get to the person. We get to the the reason why you like Andre Svechnikov. And that's, I think the contract that he signed says more about Andre than anything. In that, this is where he wants to be. He didn't like... The pressure, uh, not the pressure. He didn't like the feeling, because I think it's slightly different. He didn't like the feeling of thinking about he was playing for a contract when he really wants to play for his teammates. Because I think that's how Andre's wired. I think he wants to play for his teammates and his coach, because I think Rod has a lot to do with this. Um, and I think Andre was like, you know what? I didn't like that. So let's sit, let's get rid of that for as long as we can, and the longest the longest you can get rid of it is eight years. So eight times seven point seven five, team friendly, I believe, but also uh, the player doesn't have to worry about this for seven years. And so I think the Hurricanes are huge winners here. 
huge winners here. So good for uh, good for Tom Dundon and company to get this done. Good for Andre Svechnikov to get this done. Now, quickly to yes, uh, Perry Kotkaniemi. Third pick of the draft, right behind Andre Svechnikov, don't you know? Uh, and had three years in the NHL where he struggled. It wasn't great. As a rookie, 11 goals, 23 assists, 34 points, 79 games. That's not bad for a rookie on a bad team. And Montreal was a bad team. 11 goals, not bad. He was 18? He just turned 21. He's 21 years and two months. Not even two months. It's just like by the time you hear this, he might be 21 years and two months old. So he is a baby. Asked to play center in the NHL. And, you know, he's not at the Austin Matthews, uh, Connor McDavid level, right? So 34 points in his rookie year. Didn't have a great second season. Remember, the, of course, you know, we had the pandemic interrupted, but he also spent some time in the minors. He had six goals and eight points. That's it. So it was a tough year, too. And then last year, wasn't great. Five goals, 15 assists, 20 points, 56 games. About the same pace, roughly, as his rookie year. But he performed well early in the playoffs, but then by the end of the playoffs, he was a healthy scratch in the Stanley Cup Finals. But he's a restricted free agent. And the Hurricanes saw, as the quote said, a vulnerability there. Ha, 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 ha. I wrote about it at WRLSportsFan.com. We'll just touch on that in a second. But um, he's a good player. He has a good future. We just don't know how good a player he is going to be. And he's not going to play center if he's going to play in a top nine or a top six role, he can't play center here, barring injury. Because Aho, Trocek, Stahl is one, two, three, in whatever order you want to put him. So Kotkaniemi is going to have to play the wing, whether it's uh, to the left of Aho or Trocek or Stahl, remains to be seen. So my guess is it will be with the first two, because I don't believe they want him playing in a defensive role. And I do believe that... Uh, the stall line is going to probably, I don't know, they're going to have maybe two defensive roles, two defensive lines, but uh, but he, I guess he can play with stall, but I just think that uh, maybe Nino Niederreiter is going to be a little bit more, uh, better suited to play with uh, with Jordan Stahl, but we'll let Rod Brindamore handle all those things. Um, here's the uh, the issue, and then we'll get to the fun stuff. The issue with the offer sheet is $6.1 million is about four point something million more than the player is worth today. And that's a bad precedent to set. Um, and I can't wait to talk to Luke about this because I know I remember this back in the day. Luke actually argued, much like I argued for a different player, Luke argued for Kotkaniemi over Svechnikov because the Hurricanes needed centers. I was a Brady Kachuk guy. Just leave it out there. Don't care. Um, obviously, Svechnikov, although Kachuk has been great, you could argue that Kachuk maybe has been as good and maybe even better than Svechnikov. Um, but we all know what Svech can become. And I can't. We all can't wait for that to happen. Uh, but the thing about the six point one million, and we'll get to the twenty dollars signing bonus in a second. The thing about the six point one million is that in order for this to work, in order for this to benefit the Hurricanes, they've got to figure out a way to sign him to an extension to the contract, to a contract extension that is actually where his market value lies because if they if they go at you know to the end of the year and his qualifying offer is 6.1 million unless this guy is at a 60 point level you can't keep him then you just let him walk you don't qualify him you let him walk and now you've you know, you have egg on your face, and you've thrown away a first and a third round pick. So, the to me, the only way this works 
is if the Hurricanes agree to a contract extension during the season where you don't have to worry about the qualifying offer. Uh, and then, of course, it's it'll start because you're not allowed to set these, you know, have hush-hush under-the-table deals. Uh, but it'll start that conversation from, uh, you know, into happening. Uh, but to me, that's the only way it works. you got to sign up to a contract extension uh, for what his actual market value is. And frankly, we don't know what that is yet. We'll have to, it'll have to be based on what he looks like as a player for the Hurricanes. Um, is that going to be, I mean, my, my guess is if he plays relatively well, three times three and a half, is that what we're looking at? That would be pretty good at three times three and a half. And at some point he has to be, uh, one of your top three centers. He's a center, you know, by maybe by that point, maybe, you know, after this year, maybe we're looking at Jordan Stahl's final year or two, uh, with the hurricanes final year. Because he's only got one more year left on his contract, where he's the fourth line center. He could do a lot worse than having Jordan Stahl centering your fourth line. Um, so now comes a couple of quick things. One, I am here for the joke. I am here for the twenty dollar signing bonus. I'm here for that. Gosh, I laughed. I laughed all day long when I saw the story. Twenty dollars. I thought it was a misprint. I really did. I thought. I thought. Wait, no, no. It's not twenty. I mean, it's what's two hundred thousand? Is it two million dollars signing bonus and the rest is salary? What twenty dollars? A Starbucks gift card? A beer and a half at PNC Arena? What? Funny, hysterically funny. So, um, that to me was the troll of the Canadian. I don't know that Montreal is going to match it. I really don't think they are. Um, but maybe they will. It throws their cap situation into complete chaos. But maybe they will. I mean, they drafted him. They, but I don't think the player necessarily likes it there. I mean, when you get healthy scratch in the playoffs, it's hard to uh, really think that you're part of the future. Um, so it to me, it was just kind of... Uh, it was funny, but there are serious ramifications if it doesn't work out. Player has to be good. He has to earn uh, a contract extension, and that contract extension has to be at a market level. Has to be at a market level. Uh, so there you go. Those are uh, those are two thoughts. We'll get to some other things with Luke Decock in a little bit. Uh, very quickly earlier this week, when Andre was list this week, when Andre Svechnikov signed his contract, uh, I caught up with the head coach. This was on the radio back on the, uh, on the day job on the moneymaker, uh, where, uh, on the Adam gold show noon to three Monday through Friday. Uh, and we talked about his new $7.75 million guy. I listened to your uh, comments about, I think you hit it right on the head. You know, for once, you got it right. Um, I think he uh, he's kind of player that, you know, we want to have here long-term. And obviously, you know, you got to pay him. That's just right. how it works nowadays. So uh, the the risk for us, I don't think is, I don't think is there because of how hard he works, right? Like he's going to keep trying to get better and better. And, you know, the comparison that you mentioned, I think you threw out Simmons' name there. Like it's, it couldn't be further difference. <laughs> it's just, it's just totally opposite situation we got a guy here that wants to get better every day and you see the talent that he has i think we're just scratching the surface so very happy that he's in the mix for a long time and you know that's probably the end of it yeah real i want to ask you just about this past year which andre got off to a great start and like eight games in uh i I was thinking my gosh this could be a, a 70 80 point season for him um what what might he have been dealing with over the course of the season that just saw the production, the effort didn't go away, but the production uh, just kind of waned a little bit? Uh, is it maybe the pressure of playing for a contract or something like that? You know, I, I don't know. I think that had a little bit to do with it, for sure. Remember, remember he's still just a kid, right? Yep. He's still a young guy, and there's a lot of people, unfortunately, and it's just how it works, you know, a lot of noise around every athlete, meaning agents and parents and you name it. The list goes pretty long. And 
And I just think that, you know, that, that could have definitely played a little bit of part of it, but um, you know what he, that's now, at least we don't have to, even that is not a question moving forward. And he, the thing about it, what we love about the kid and you know him really well is he, he literally every day works his butt off mm-hmm. and wants to get better. So we've been saying that for three years now, I don't see that changing. And so I think those are pretty good bets on, on athletes and players when they have that kind of mindset. A couple of years ago, I asked you a question. Rod Brindamore is joining us here for a couple of minutes. I asked you a question about Sebastian Ajo. What does he have to do to take? What is the next step for him? And you had told me that got to be able to play him against the other team's bests. And it does look like over the last year or so, uh, Sebastian Ajo has become that player. So what is the next step for Andrei Svechnikov? As a player, what do you need to see from him so he can take the next step? Well, he's got to continue to grow in his game. Obviously, there's certain little areas that, you know, we, he can't take as many penalties as he takes. Uh, but I love how he takes them. It's generally over, being overly aggressive, which is, you know, that's a good a good skill set that you you, you got to have in, in this league and that competitiveness. So, um, But there's little things that he's learning uh, on that. And, and so that's a big area that I think that, you know, hopefully he gets a tad better at. Skill level is not – I don't know how much better he can get. Like, it'd be scary to think that he could shoot the puck harder or skate faster. I mean, he's already elite at that. But that consistency factor, obviously. And then just playing the 200-foot game, you know, that those are the things that will get him more ice time, get him, you know, playing, like you said, against the best players, um, which which we did already last year. Mm-hmm. But that will, you know, continue, I think, over the next – Really, the next few years, I think he's still going to keep getting better and better in those areas. Do you see potentially even playing some shorthanded minutes in the future? <laughs> now you sound like Tom. If I want to play him now, you got you got to play him in net. You know, so um, no, I, I don't know. Maybe right? Like we'll see. Uh, that's a, a huge ask, uh, you know, of a, of a player. But but there's definitely something that will will consider i think right now when we have we're using a lot of our top guys killing so it's definitely trending that way and uh you know we'll we'll see where it goes all right final uh final thing this is not necessarily about uh about andre uh but about penalty killing did martin nature surprise you with how really how well he took to killing penalties a year ago not really um you know again the skills that he has should make him a good penalty killer you know smart player and then fast and long and you know it kind of adds into what penalty killing is about and so um you know the mistakes he makes on penalty kill he was making up because he was creating offense so that, that that's again a, i think a new angle that a lot of teams are using and going to um not just trying to kill a penalty but looking for that's a time of two minutes why not try to score if you can and so I think that's a good asset for us, obviously. And like I said, again, that's what you're talking about with Andre. Can we get him to do that? that that's a maybe. Uh, I'm not going to throw all that on him right now. <laughs> Rod loves him. He loves the player. He loves the future. He knows there are things to iron out. Hopefully, we will iron them out. Uh, but Rod loves it. Anyway, uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Luke DeCock will join us. We'll get his thoughts on Jesperi Kotkaniemi and Andre Svechnikov. Also... Uh, Like, on the low, I think the Hurricanes have done an exceptional job in restructuring this team for next year, and maybe even beyond. I really do. I like a lot of what they've done. Uh, Even the stuff that angered people, I mean, it serves a purpose. Not the anger part, but it serves a purpose. We'll talk about that with Luke DeCock on the other side. All right, so let's bring in Luke DeCock of the News and Observer. Uh, Columnist, used to be the beat reporter for the Carolina Hurricanes until he wised up and uh, became a big-time columnist. Uh, All right, let's, uh, gosh, you know, I I almost want to work backwards, you know, back up to the Andrei Svechnikov signing. And I know you and I talked about it on the radio the day after it was announced, but uh, Saturday... I get a text from a friend, mutual friend of ours, saying, what in the, well, there were some other words there, what in the hell just happened? $6.1 million one-year offer sheet for Jesperi Kotkaniemi, 
three years or fourth year, going into his fourth year, centerman for Montreal. He was the pick directly after Andrei Svechnikov in the 18 draft. When you saw that and you saw the quotes that they attributed to Don, Don Waddell, what did you say? Well, yeah, I mean, the thing about it is, and, and this is kind of what I, what I wrote for Monday's paper, it's so easy to get caught up in the extraordinary pettiness of all of this, of the $20 signing bonus, <laughs> of cutting and tasting Mark Bergevin's quotes and putting them in Don Waddell's mouth. I mean, it's just, it's thick. <laughs> With just with just snidery, but here's the thing: if you said you can go get, and I mispronounce his name every night time, so we're gonna have to deal with that. Kokinemi for a late first, a late third, and a three million and three million dollars in cash for a 21 year old potential number two center. I don't I don't think he's quite the player that Montreal and some other teams maybe thought he was in his draft year, but there's still a tremendous upside there. I don't think we've seen it because he came to the NHL when he was so young. He's been misused in Montreal playing defense in a defensive oriented system. It doesn't play to his strength. Uh, You would do it. You would do it in a heartbeat. If that was just the deal, you know, would Montreal take a first and a third and $3 million? In this case, the extra 3 million, basically twice what he's worth goes to the player. I, I'm biased because I, I I don't pretend I'm a draft expert. I don't go out and watch these players. But the people I talked to and the little bit of film I saw, I really liked Kokeniemi in that draft. Like, I thought he was, you know, the best center. Um, you know, there was a lot to like about him, a lot of upside. And obviously, he's a Finn, so he'll <laughs> sit right in at North Hill. Right. But oh, the, 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 that part of it, I think, is great. I think if you put aside... All of this other stuff, the retaliation for Ajo and that offer sheet. And, you know, what they, the Hurricanes have done is they've identified a, a young player they like who's on a team that's in really, really dire salary cap straits, and they put them to a decision for all their chips. They basically, you know, put the Canadians all in, and they either have to fold and take the picks and walk away uh, or, or, you know, bite the bullet and, and really restructure their roster is what they would have to do because, as far as this will put the Hurricanes over the cap, and we can talk about ways they can mm-hmm. deal with that, it's going to put Montreal way, way over the cap. I mean, they had to let Van O go, who's a much better player, because they couldn't afford to keep him. And now they're going to lose the guy who was supposed to take over for him. You know, they, they've got Suzuki, the other Suzuki, and then they're kind of out of center. You know, I think technically Cedric Paquette would be number two on their death chart. <laughs> so they're in real trouble here. And so there's a shrewdness to this move that the Hurricanes have identified a team in cap trouble, offer she to the player they like, and they're basically willing to pay $3 million as a sort of exchange fee on this to get, you know, to make this happen. It's a, the opportunity cost, the cost of doing business. And honestly, like, you're not allowed to prearrange deals in the NHL, but the mm-hmm. fact that the kid was willing to sign this deal with the Hurricanes and let them put the $20 signing bonus in there, suggests to me he's on the same page and that suggests to me that in January he ends up signing if, you know if he, if he ends up coming here and signing a five or six year, old, year deal that's at the three million he should be making um, and maybe the Hurricanes even get a little of that back in that deal so you know I, I, I think there's there's some some method to this extreme madness that I, quite frankly reading some of the media reports from Montreal the people up there can't even see uh, the alleged hockey experts in Montreal. Uh, I, I like it. I love it. And, and I'm biased because I think, I think he's a great player and I think he has a lot of upside potential. And, and, and it, it's, you know, we were just talking on the radio last week about that ninth forward and filling that hole. And he can do that. And he's a potential long-term, right. longer-term replacement for Vincent Trocek, who I don't think will go anywhere, but we'll see his role reduce in a few years as he gets older, naturally. Um, and, and that's fun because he brings a lot of things other than sort of, you know, being a second line center. So anyway, that's a long answer to your question, but, but I like all of that about, about this thing. The fact that they decided to go equally all in with the social media aspects of it. I mean, obviously there are people who think that's juvenile or immature or whatever, you know, classless. I, I, I don't really care about any of that. I'm, I'm kind of looking at it from a hockey perspective and I think it makes the Hurricanes a better team. 
it was certainly petty. I think the first thing you said, the pettiness, uh, it was definitely a petty move. The twenty, uh, the the twenty dollars signing bonus. When I when I saw twenty dollars signing bonus, I'm like, wait, twenty million? Wait, two hundred, two hundred thousand? What? Twenty dollars? So I mean, everybody who saw that deal had the same reaction. They're like, wait, wait a second. What do I? What what did I misread? Is there a typo? Like we all did. Everybody. Yeah. I just hope that when uh, if Montreal doesn't match, and I think there's a very good chance that they will not match, uh, but if they don't match, I just hope that at the press conference when they introduce him, Tom Dundon actually reaches into his wallet and pulls out a twenty dollar <laughs> bill and hands it and like you know pulls it taut. For the camera, and then just snaps it. yeah, snaps it and hands it over. Like here you go, here's the signing bonus. I hope, I hope that's what it. That's the way that whole thing shakes out. A couple of things about this for me. Uh, one, expecting now again, you can't make these deals ahead of time. If something is found out, that would be a problem. Um, so, but expecting an agent and a player to essentially give back money. Now, maybe that'll happen. I'm not saying it won't. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that doesn't happen. It, I can't recall. A, well, I guess here's where it did happen, I guess. Uh, but it was a player sign, re-signing with his own team. Kevin LeBanc, right? Remember going into an RFA, uh, he re-signed for $1 million knowing that the team was going to take care of him when they could. But this is a completely different thing, and this isn't signing for $1 million. This is a $6.1 million plus $20 signing bonus. Um, and that becomes his floor unless you sign the player. And it would have to be, they would have to sign it like during the year. They can't wait yeah, till you, the the end of the season, right? No, no, but that, that's my point. I mean, I, I, you know, an offer fee is not a one way contract. The player, like Aho did, has to agree to it. Aho did it for leverage. Um, and because his agent's very tight with the Montreal GM, quite yeah. frankly. Uh, you know, why is Kokiemi doing it? Because he got scratched in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yep. Because he's been abused by the Montreal media and fans because he was the number three pick in the draft, and he wasn't Connor McDavid right out of the package. When he came into the NHL at 18, and actually had a very good rookie year. Yeah, one bad. And then has, yeah, I and mean, he was a good rookie year. He hasn't been as good the last two years, but he's also you know, a younger 21, uh, there, there's a lot of, and, and, and quite frankly, playing a role that doesn't necessarily suit him in a system that doesn't necessarily suit him. So there's a quid pro quo here in terms of getting out of Montreal, a place where he clearly no longer wants to be. Uh, and so, you know, when it comes time to negotiate, is there a quid pro quo? Again, I think there's probably going to be more willingness in January when they can negotiate with him to say, look, you know, what, what's the, what works best for both of us in the long term to stay here and play with Teravainen and Ajo and whatever Finnish defenseman magically <laughs> materialize over the next couple of years. It, 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 so there's, there's reason for him not to issue a refund check, but to say, hey, look, I, I'm a $6 million contract. I know I'm a $3 million player. I know I'm a $3.5 million player. You know, let's let's do the deal that is irrelevant to my qualifying offer. Right. That's the beauty of this. Another way that the Hurricanes have, have put Montreal, you know, their uh, the the Habs, uh, what you know, so, uh, sensitive parts in a vice here is he's not going to feel that way with Montreal. With Montreal, he's going to hold them to that six million dollar qualifying offer uh-huh. and want his money. So this is not a one year thing that Montreal has to deal with. This screws things up with him and the Canadian forever. It's the that's the beauty of it. There's there's, <laughs> there's some stuff going on here that's that's actually pretty clever. And quite frankly, would the Hurricanes have done this without the Ajo offer seat? Maybe. I mean, it does make sense, but certainly there's enough bad blood with Montreal. And as you as I know, you and I know, it goes back 20 years. There's enough <laughs> bad blood with Montreal to make this, you know something you, you want to do, not just can do. All right, let, 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 me, let me throw a couple of other uh, quick elements to this. Like Personally, you, you're talking about a contract in the neighborhood of, uh, let's just say, three times three and a half. 
Uh, if he's having a halfway decent year, uh, and in January you say, "Oh, let's do this deal, uh, three-year extension," uh, you know, ten and a half million dollars total. Uh, boom, that would be awesome. That would be a great bridge deal for somebody who is, uh, you know, still just trying to figure it out. And by the way, you referenced his rookie season. That was his best season, arguably, uh, with yeah. 34 points, 11 goals in 79 games. Um, he actually had it, got off to a good start in the playoffs last year. He had, I think, uh, or this past year, he had three goals, I think, in the series win over Toronto. So he scored scored three goals. He was... Uh, so he had some big moments in that series. Um, and he's obviously a very talented player. Um, and to me, the only way this really does work is if he is signed to an extension, obviously well below $6.1 million AAV. Because, I mean, that's just insanity. Um, so that to me, that's the only way this works for the Hurricanes. Otherwise... The practical joke is turned on themselves because not only do you you have a player at six point one million dollars this year, which impacts what you can do maybe at the deadline without some creativity. Although maybe there will be, they were certainly creative last year uh, in terms of saving money throughout the season. Uh, but if he's not good and you decide you don't want to keep him, you're moving on from a player and you've thrown away to you know a first and a third, which. While maybe they would be late, if it doesn't work out, I would argue that maybe they wouldn't be that late because he's obviously going to play in a top-nine role at the very least. But in general, I share your um, interest in the player. 21 years basically and two months right now, so he is incredibly young. Um, And maybe he is the number two center uh, of the future. I know, you know, the Hurricanes as an organization feel like they believe he's better than he has performed. Not and in terms like the numbers are lying is what the is what the Hurricanes believe. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if the numbers are lying or not. But let me ask you this question: Is there fallout here? Is there are are there teams who will now sort of target? Carolina, based on the pettiness here and the nature, I mean, I don't think Tom Dundon is the most popular owner in the room when all of the governors get together. So what do you think? I don't think it will be any worse than it is now. I mean, I think there's, you know, hockey's a funny game in the sense that everybody loves Ron Francis, who I think you look at the Jake Bean stuff alone, box the expansion draft. But everyone talks about what, you know, and drafted Jake Bean and Gauthier and used a top five pick on a third pairing defense. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, aside from a couple contracts, which were well done for sure, you know, like, there's not a lot on Ron Francis's resume that has gold stars. But people love the guy. They talk about what a great GM he is and what a great job he's doing. And people hate Tom Dundon because he doesn't play that game. And, you know, he does things that offend people. I mean, let's, let's, Let's be the, the handling of Chuck Caton and John Forslund. It was done the way that you do it if you don't value people. That's right. hard for people to swallow. I think that's a mistake. I think he misses that hockey is a small world and that these things may not reverberate in the business world, uh, but they do have sort of seismic effects in the hockey world. And so that's why it's hard for, under, for him to understand sometimes why people make hockey deals that don't make sense to him because – it is such a small world. Now, in the end, if the Hurricanes end up going on to win a bunch of Stanley Cups, he makes a bunch of money, and he proves that he is smarter than all these people, uh-huh. which in some cases is not difficult to do, you know, that then it's all going to work out in the end. I mean, all the people who said they were going to cancel their tickets over Johnny and Chuck, none of them did. I mean, everyone loved those guys, but people still listen to the games and right. watch the games. You know, the same thing with Tony D'Angelo. I mean, there are a lot of people who threatened to cancel their tickets over that. I know some of them who publicly threatened it ended up not. Um, because people are going to watch the team anyway. And I <laughs> right. think, you know, there's almost a calling of the bluff there. Uh, but, but you know, in terms of Dundon being unpopular in the hockey world, I don't think this is going to change that. Uh, I, I, mean, I don't think people like the guy because he doesn't play their little games. Um, my argument would be sometimes you have to play those little games a little bit just to kind of go along to get along and get done what you need to get done. Uh, but 
you know, in the end, he's going to do what, what he wants to do, sort of. This is uh, the social media aspect of this, kind of goes hand in hand with the, the personality of the franchise under him, whether it's the whaler stuff or a bunch of jerks. I mean, it's always sort of been this, you know, willingness to push the boundaries a little bit. I don't know that there are long-term effects to this. I mean, I think most GMs, if they're honest with themselves, will say, I wish I thought of that. Um, <laughs> because it does put Montreal in a very difficult position. Yeah. And if you were a team in the Atlantic division, like a Florida or uh, even a Tampa, uh, Tampa doesn't have the cap space, obviously, but you know, someone like that, and you want to, I mean, I, don't, I think Montreal kind of like the Hurricanes in 02 isn't a team you expect to see back in the finals. And quite frankly, the winner of the Carolina-Tampa series struck me as the, you know, maybe yes. the best team in, in that half of the league. Uh, anyway, I, you know, I, 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 why wouldn't you have done this if you were Toronto or, or even Boston? Like, even if Montreal just ends up matching it, you've stuck, stuck them with this contract. So I think most GMs, if they're honest, will say, oh, man, that's something we should have done. And as far as the taboo around giving an offer sheet, I mean, Montreal's the one that broke it. Yeah, that's so true. I, I, I have very little sympathy for all of the crying out of Montreal now. Jack Todd is aghast that someone would do something so petty. And uh-huh. uh, he, he argues that it's bad for the player who obviously doesn't like being in Montreal and is going to make double the money he would have. I'm not sure what his logic is there. Right. I just, it's not, it's pure nonsense coming out of Montreal. And it's quite frankly, that more of a manifestation of the sort of uh, vibe we all feel between the sort of the, the snootiness of Montreal toward the Hurricanes, the, the disbelief that this team from Caroline du Nord could win two playoff series. I'm there. Right? Um, you know, it's just uh, the whole thing is, is just some, some old school, you know, old money against Nouveau Riche. And, you know, the fact that there were relocation rumors every time the Canadian yes. Charter left the ground to come here. It's all just hand in hand with that. It's uh, it's snobbery and snootiness, and it's fine if Montreal does Carolina, but if the Hurricanes have the temerity to win a playoff series or do it back to Montreal, you know the world comes to an end, and Gary Bettman has to get involved. All right, as uh, as I said before, again, I I think the only way this works is if the Hurricanes do manage to sign him to a uh, a contract extension that is at least in the ballpark of what his true value would be. Uh, and it's, if it, now if that true value ends up being 6.1 million, <laughs> uh, then it's even more worth it. But uh, my guess is that as you pointed out, and I think I, I wrote about it uh, three times, three and a half uh, seems like it would be a good place uh, to start. And that's assuming that he gets on to somewhere near a 40 to 45 point pace depending on where he's playing throughout the lineup. But uh, my guess is that he's going to slot in. I think he's going to end up being in their top six, at least uh, in the early going. And who knows if uh, if they don't put Svetch with Trocek and Natchez and see if Kotkaniemi can play with Ajo and Taravainen. Uh, they, do, they do need more fins. We can't just have uh, three fins, um, Luke. So let me, let me, let me, let's go to Svechnikov now. Um, and I... The more I think about this, the more I think that it really took Andre to accept, I think, less money than he probably... If he was a free agent today, an unrestricted free agent today, which obviously he's not, he's probably... I think there's no question he's over an $8 million a year player. No question he's over an $8 million a year player based on his age and what we all know his potential to be. The fact that he accepted the eight-year deal at under eight, I think says as much about Andre as anything, that this is really where he wants to be, and he doesn't really think about it in the same terms everybody else does. I think think he does want to be here. I I don't think there's any doubt about that. What it says to me, because I... like. This strikes me, based on everything I was hearing last summer, like a deal we could have done 12 months ago. Right. The, t- the team and the player. And so the fact that it's being done now, when Sutchikov arguably has more leverage, 
says to me, one, yes, he does want to be here. I mean, I don't think he wants to go to Russia or any of the kind of things that players do to, to get more leverage out of this. Uh, I, I think it's said, and I think we all saw if we were paying attention, he did not like playing last season with this hanging over his head. Uh, and he saw an opportunity here uh, to be done with it before training camp. It's a fair deal. It's a fair deal for the player. It's a fair deal for the team. It makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, there's no offer cheating going on or any of that stuff. Uh, I, I think it said he disliked having that contract stuff out there as much as it looked like it did on the ice. Um, and I think it probably sets up, you know, some guys get the big contract and you, you start worrying about it uh, because they're going to slack off. I think because of that, that this actually sets him up for a better fourth season than it might have otherwise. And I think, one, we all know that based on last year and even the two years before, we're still looking at a huge vein of untapped skill and potential here. I mean, we're just scratching the surface with what this kid can potentially do and and should be able to do. This isn't like a can he do it. I mean, he should be able to. We all know it. Um, It's obvious, his, his talent and ability and all of that. So I think this actually sets him up for a better year than, than it would have. And certainly then if this had dragged on you know, the training camp and we end up with a, an unsigned situation and all that. So um, it, it all makes a lot of sense to me. Um, certainly it comes at a, a good time as they sort of have spent the last month dealing with the, the D'Angelo fallout. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's nice, I think, for them to have something that they can hang their hat on. You know, the funny thing is... Uh, I, if it weren't for D'Angelo, I, they, I think they'd be crowing about what they've done this summer. I mean, I, I think there's a lot to, you know, the, the, the changes in goal, the depth on defense, the retooling of the fourth line, now potentially adding a top nine forward. Uh, there's a lot to like about what they've done this summer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that, that gets kind of obscured because everyone was, was just so angry about, um, you know, about the D'Angelo signing. You know, here's the thing about what they what they did, and then I'll, I want to get back to uh, to Andre. Um, is that, and I'm even going to throw the D'Angelo signing in. And look, I think much like you and I have lived through the uh, the Carolina way being shown to be obviously a fraud, like they were doing things that every other university was doing who gets caught with their academic pants down by their knees. I mean, there yeah. was, forget about the Carolina way. I mean, and even people I knew that went there laughed at the Carolina way. So when every time when Rod would say that the number one thing for them is the character of the people that they bring in, and then you bring in somebody who clearly is low on the character scale in D'Angelo, then you get all the criticism. But setting that aside for just a second, the can he help them win? And that's really what teammates value. That's all. For, for the most part, there, there, there are always going to be people that, if you're on a team, that you don't like. For whatever reason, you don't like their beliefs, uh, you don't like the way they, whatever. There's a, there's a prop, there's, there's, there's always players like that. But can you help me win? And if his teammates believe that D'Angelo brings a skill set to the team that will help the team win, then they're gonna look they're gonna set aside all of those other things because once you walk through the locker room, once you walk into that locker room, it's it's all about, you know, can we win? And as long as that's okay, then D'Angelo as the offensive you know, he's the replacement for Dougie Hamilton's offense. We understand that. Um, I don't know that he'll play the same number of minutes that Dougie Hamilton played. Uh, and I'm not saying he's even a great replacement for Dougie Hamilton. But the offense, he, he could end up being better offensively than Dougie Hamilton, to be perfectly honest. He was dynamite the, the last full season. At what, 53 points in 70-some-odd games? Uh, that was I mean, that's a tremendous year from a defenseman, and he can quarterback a power play. But you talked about the depth. Cole, Bear. Um, uh, Love I mean, Bear. Uh, I, I mean, I, I do too. Uh, Brendan Smith is a seventh defenseman. 
Um, they they sure. add, they yeah they added some toughness. They added depth. They added organizational depth. I mean, last year they they were crowing about their depth being, you know, Joey Keane and players like that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You can't put I mean, Joey Keane on the ice in a playoff game. They've got a bunch no, of. They, it, yeah, I, uh, look, I mean, they put Max Lajoie on the ice right. in the playoff game. That, that's how bad the depth was. Um, yeah, I, and not to cut you off, but yeah, I, it, it's a completely different defense. Bear is awesome. I mean, he has the potential to be even better. Um, but he's exactly the kind of sort of minute-munching, middle-tier defense that this team needs. I mean, look at how much better all of these guys, Bear, Cole, Brendan Smith, Arvin, like, than Hayden Flurry. Like, yeah. how much more confidence is Rod Brindamore going to have in you know, he probably played Brendan Smith 25 minutes a night if they would let it. <laughs> it, it, it you know, and, and as far as D'Angelo goes, like, it's not going to be a problem in the room because unless he's terrible. If he's terrible, then it becomes a problem in the room. I mean, you know, a, a hockey team would, would make room for Hafez Assad if they thought he could help the power play. Absolutely. He made love it. That, that's not the issue. The, the issue is, you know, what's he going to be like in the community, off the ice? Yep. You know, can he just stay out of trouble, keep his nose clean? Uh, if he can't, it's not going to matter how many points he has on the power play. Now, if he doesn't have any points on the power play and he's a jerk in the room, then that'll come back to haunt him too. Um, you know, that, that's, those are all issues. And the other thing, part of, part of it is, you know, it's really hard to paint yourself as this super welcoming, super inclusive, right. uh, hockey team and then sign that guy. And it's just kind of like, these are your hurricanes. Deal with it. Uh, that's just the way that's, that's, uh, you know, that, that's kind of, how it's going to be. If, they, if there's a bargain to be made, they're going to do it. Final thing about Spechnikov, and then uh, a couple of other quick things uh, with Luke DeCock. Um, I might have the first two numbers flipped, but somebody asked me, so, first of all, I, I, I'm, I don't even want to get into the conversation. I already talked about it at the very beginning of the podcast. Uh, the people comparing Svechnikov to Semen, the possibility that this could be another Semen. I'm like, you had to choose uh, a player who happened to be Russian, right? Uh, because uh, Semen was a dog, and Svechnikov clearly is not. Um, and I don't. To me, it's offensive to even have that conversation. But somebody asked me what the what are the chances that this contract, eight times seven point seven five, ends up being a bad contract? And I said. Very, very slim. I think it's 50% that it becomes a great value for Carolina. I think it's 40% that it's just fair. And I think it's 10% that it's bad. What do you think about those numbers? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that sounds right. I mean, I think the most likely scenario where it ends up being a bad contract is if he ends up sort of being chronically hurt or has concussion issues. Uh, and then you're sort of saddled with a, a player who didn't reach his potential through maybe no fault of his own. Um, obviously, we saw this year that it is possible for him to be sort of, uh, I don't want to say ineffective, because he was involved, uh, but just you're, you're paying him to finish. Yeah, He does a lot of things well, but in the end, the thing he does better than his peers, what makes him an $8 million player, uh, is his ability to finish, which which you know he didn't do in the playoffs and didn't do for a lot of the regular season. So there's a chance of that becoming sort of endemic. But I don't think, based on what we've seen from him over three years in the NHL, that that that's likely. Um, you know, I, I I think the percentage of it being a good contract or it's a above average contract is actually a little higher. I mean, the the the, the career ascent and trajectory that he was on from 19 to 20. And then I think you can kind of throw out 21. It becomes almost like a saucy. Uh, there's no reason to believe that there's not, that that, that slope is not going to continue upward. Mm-hmm. It, uh, you know, I think the question is sort of what's the derivative there? What's the, the pace of change? Uh, but, but I, you know, I, I think if, if he flatlines at his 2021 level and that's it, that, that's, you know, then that would be a bad contract. But, but I don't, think there's very much chance of that yeah. just based on what we've seen otherwise and i think there's a there's a perfectly good excuse for what happened last year which is he's a uh, i don't mean this in a negative way the way people would use it as a slur against Sunday hamilton he's a sensitive kid he feels things deep that's one of the things that makes him a good teammate and a good yeah. person and a good player uh, and so the contract i think did 
did weigh on him. I don't think he was able to shut that out. I think we'll see. I think we'll see a different Andre Svechnikov. We'll see the Andre Svechnikov of sort of 2018 to 2019, you know, that sort of progression that he made from his rookie to his sophomore year. All right, you uh, you you mentioned goaltender, so uh, give me give me thirty seconds on why you like the combination of Ranta and Anderson maybe more than you liked the combination of Ned and somebody else. I don't think it would have been Ned and Morazic, but let's just say Ned and Yaro Halak. All right, so. I, I, I really like Ranta. I think that's the guy who Ron Francis should have gone and gotten instead of Scott Darling when the Rangers had to move. Instead, <laughs> he goes to Arizona. He gets hurt. He's been hurt a lot, obviously. When healthy, I mean, he's a upper percentile goaltender in this league, yep. and the Hurricanes aren't going to ask him to play 60 games. I think that's a good fit there. It's a good gamble. If it doesn't work, there may not be a more consistent goalie in the league, with the exception of kind of the end of last season, than Freddie Anderson, who is not at Ranta's level when Ranta's going, but is a very kind of steady, eddy, you know, quality, consistent goalie who also is not going to be asked to play 65 games. So I think what you've done is you brought in two guys who complement each other well, uh, who have higher upside than Nadelkovic, uh, have higher upside than Halak, uh, and have a sort of yin and yang there where if Ranta, you know, hits, you know, you've got one of the best backups in the league in Anderson, and if Ranta plays out, and get hurt again, Anderson can handle it. Yeah, and the other thing uh, that they've also got them both for two years. We don't have to do this again, more than likely. And uh, it gives, I don't know, maybe one of the, they have many goaltending lottery tickets. Maybe one of, <laughs> maybe one of them will cash. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, overall, I think, uh, I mean, I kind of like, I kind of like the uh, what they have done in the off season, and it's been a critical off season. They still have to get under the cap. Uh, the, I I assume they get under the cap by uh, doing something with Jake Gardner's contract, and that might involve another draft pick and a uh, a voice or a a team that is significantly below the salary cap that needs to get to the floor. And I'm looking at you, Ottawa. I think the uh, Ottawa Senators are significantly under the salary cap, so maybe you can uh, maybe you can make it make a deal there. And, and you know, fans all say, "We'll just put them on injured reserve," and and, and yes, that is a possibility. And it's, it's just not the magic wand, as you know, that fans think it is. And He'd have to, to agree. Maximize that. He, he has to agree, or he has to fail his physical. Um, you know that that's a, you know there's, there's there's things that have to happen. They have to be willing essentially to retire, which is what this would be. Right um, now, you get to eight million and change to do it, but still, you have to be willing to walk away. Um, and and the Hurricanes have to get to the you know to the cap without him to make the full use of uh, of Gardner's salary under LCR. You don't have to get that four million back; you just get back whatever you're over the cap with that. Right. So they would have to make a, yet another signing after Kokinevi uh, to get to sort of four point oh two five million above the cap. And then put Gardner on LCIR, and then you have that space to use. So it's complicated. It's not a magic wand. There's a <laughs> lot of variables there, uh, both with the player and with with sort of the team's finances to make that happen. But it is a possibility, uh, and and maybe something that they can do without, as you said, having to give up an asset to to dump it, which is also probably a, a smoother way to do it because then if Gardner really does want to keep playing, yeah, you know, then he, then he has the option. Personally, uh, that's the way I would like to do it. I also would like to see them sign a Norwegian so they could have all of Scandinavia taken care of. Uh, but I don't know too many Norwegian uh, hockey players. Luke DeCock, I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks much. Uh, we'll talk again. We'll talk again very soon. All right, man. Appreciate it. That's it. We got to go. Uh, appreciate Luke DeCock. Uh, you heard from Rod Brindamore. And we'll do this all again very soon. We are dangerously close to it all cranking up. Uh, thanks to our friends at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. They are the purveyors of this podcast. All you've got to do is go to AluminumCompany.com. That's right, AluminumCompany.com. And uh, if it's for the exterior of your home, that's where the, that, that's the, these are the people to call. I stumbled through that, didn't I? Uh, but there you go. Uh, Sammy Hannon and his crew do a great job. AluminumCompany.com. 
Until next time, this is the Canes Corner Podcast. I'm Adam Gold. See you. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sportsfan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast.